Today is a special Sunday for our church family. Eli, would you mind bringing me that table, buddy? Uh, is a special Sunday for our church family. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 is where we're going to start out this morning. Our church is, uh, gets its name, our church here, Antioch Dallas, gets its name after a church uh, in the New Testament in the book of Acts that was a uh, church with a lot of things that we believe God has called us to emulate or to follow. So I wanna go there with you, Acts 13. They, as a community, were in a time of, like we sang in that song, of surrender and making space for the Holy Spirit to come and do what the Spirit wanted to do in their midst. Acts chapter 13. And it says this, now, starting in verse one, in the church at Antioch, that's, that's uh, where we get our name, there were prophets and teachers. What you wanna take note of there is that there were different types of spiritual gifts working together in one local church family. God has given his people different gifts by the Holy Spirit, and here in this church, there were gifts working together to glorify the Lord and to build up the church. And as a local church family, we have sought to cultivate that type of environment, that we would be a people gifted and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we would recognize the differences in those gifts. And rather than those gifts dividing us, we would look for ways for those gifts to bring us together and to build up the body. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, And it says uh, of those prophets and teachers, there was Barnabas, there was someone called Niger. There was Lucius, Lucius of Cyrene. There was Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. I don't have time to go into those different names or what you need to know about those people. There are very different types of people from different places and backgrounds. This was not a homogenous church where everyone looked the same, was from the same place, talked the same way, but God had brought this family together, this church family. And one of the things that I've loved about Antioch Dallas is that we are a place with lots of different kinds of people that God has brought together around Jesus. Jesus is our common bond, and that was their common bond here in Antioch on Acts 13. And while they were there worshiping the Lord and fasting, and we have sought to be a community that worships the Lord, and we've taken time uh, to fast, and we're about to go into a time of fasting as a church over the next 21 days. Uh, Here they are as a church taking time to worship the Lord, and fasting in that environment of making room, the Holy Spirit spoke. And the Spirit said to them, set apart for me Paul, I mean, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work that I have called them to. So there, as they fasted, as they worshiped the Lord, as a church family and the diversity of who they were gathered around Jesus, the Holy Spirit spoke. And we have sought to be a church family that is open to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, to the direction of the Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit speaking. And here, the Holy Spirit speaks, set apart Barnabas and Saul for this work that the Spirit had for them, this new chapter in their lives individually and new chapter in the life of the church. And the church responded, uh, and it said that uh, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, on Barnabas and Saul, and sent them off. That was a very significant moment in the story of the early church. 
because God birthed something fresh in their midst, a new chapter, same story, new chapter, and through what he had called Barnabas and Saul too, many of the churches that we read about in the New Testament were planted. I'd wager that most of us are here today coming from the spiritual lineage of those churches that were planted, being passed down through the generations, but it came out of a community, a church family like ours, taking time to worship the Lord, to pray, to fast, to make room, to listen to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and respond with what the Lord is doing. Last week, we laid hands on, trying to follow us, we laid hands on Sam and Alex Johnston. I saw them there in, uh, there you go, a little wave, a little wave, uh, as they step into a new ministry role overseas. We sent them out a number of years ago to serve in Central Asia, and now they're stepping into a new role, a team leader role in Poland to serve Ukrainian refugees and to seek to plant churches amongst them. So we did that last week for a new role overseas. We're doing that today for a new role, a new, a fresh chapter in the life of our local church, our local family, and a leadership calling that God is calling Joe and Amy into in a fresh way. That's what we're taking time to do today. Over the last number of months, we've shared about this in a variety of ways with, uh, as a church family, we have talked this through, we have sought the Lord, uh, and it's an exciting day today. So that's what we're gonna do. So uh, just get ready. This is gonna be awesome. Uh, we're gonna start out. We have a, a few folks here because, because this, this is one thing I wanna say. This is not a formality. This is not a go through the motions and just kind of, do this, no. Just like we see in Acts 13, the Holy Spirit was birthing something fresh. This was a spiritual activity. And what we're going to do today, you may never have been a part of something like this before, but the Holy Spirit is doing something fresh in our midst. And we wanna make room for that. I wanna invite you to lean in today. I wanna invite you to lean forward. Even if you don't fully understand everything that's going on, that's gonna be most of your walk with God, right? but lean forward. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing something fresh in our midst and is gonna do something fresh in y'all as we share. Uh, there's some things that came together about this Sunday that'll be unique that you'll see here as we go. So what we wanna do first is I wanna have Jordan and Christy, if you want to come, uh, they have, uh, are both of y'all coming or just you? You'll do now, she'll do later. Uh, Jordan and I have known each other since maybe first grade, maybe kindergarten. I was trying to think back uh, and been together through a lot of life. Jordan uh, used to be the lead pastor here at Antioch Dallas. And then he, we sent him out a number of years ago, 2012, 2013, he and Christy and a team to plant a church in Ann Arbor, Michigan that's still going today. It's planting churches, it's awesome. Jordan is on our church board. And on behalf of the Antioch movement, our broader family of churches, he's here uh, and wants to share a few things with you guys uh, and a few things with us as a congregation as we prepare to lay hands on Joe and Amy and commission them for that new work. So I'm gonna give you the microphone, my friend. All right. Thank you, guys. It's a privilege to be with you this morning on this special occasion. Uh, Joe and Amy, I was remembering uh, when Christy and I were in your shoes, and this would have been many moons ago, but I remember being excited uh, about that, and then, you know, some folks came up from Waco, like we did this morning, 
And um, Jimmy Seibert was one of those guys. And I remember being like, oh, this is awesome, you know, stepping into this new role. But at the same time, I remember thinking, I wonder if other people that are gathered here are going to think that I'm supposed to be a pastor like him. And then I was like, oh, I don't know if that's possible. And so whatever's going on in y'all's hearts today, I want to speak into that place. As, you're, as we're doing this today, and as I'm here, uh, I'm here, I'm your friend, I do want to uh, also speak, like Zach said, as a uh, representative of the movement as well that we've been a part of since 1998. Um, you know, you don't need to do it like Zach did it. Zach's done it in a wonderful and a beautiful way. I didn't need to do it like Jimmy had done it, unless you have the same grace that he has, or unless you have the same grace as someone else that you want to be like. But the reality is, you have a unique grace that God has given you. And I would say to the church as a whole, that you want to re- you want to see one another according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. And as you can identify grace on people's lives, it enables you to give and receive love in a very actually way that God intended for us to do. Where I'm not comparing Joe or Amy to someone else, but I'm able to celebrate and receive uniquely who they are. If you will do that as a church, you will be blessed. <laughs> I'm not saying it's just going to be a cakewalk, but don't, don't put a yoke of something on them and then say to y'all, don't put a yoke of something on, on other people. I don't think you will. I don't think y'all will. I'm just stating uh, perhaps the obvious. So Joe, you have a unique, let me speak not just to both of you, but to you. You have a unique grace on your life. And as I thought about you, there are a few things that I want to say. Um, number one, you are enough. You have, you know, I was like, okay, what does Joe uh, need to hear? You are enough. Like when I think of you and I look at you, I, first of all, I see a man, period. You are a man. I secondly see you as a godly man, but a man that is like so enough for the, you, you have a challenging task ahead and I'm not going to, uh, my wife encouraged me on the way up not to sugarcoat it. So I'm following her advice. You have a challenging task ahead and I'm not, Zach would say, tell you the same thing. But you are enough, not in your own self-strength, but the man that God has made you, you're actually more than enough. Absolutely more. All the Bible verses that you can quote and that you have probably taught in this church, you are more than able to overcome. And in fact, I want to give you something. I was going to give this to you at the end, but I'm going to give it to you now. I want to give you, I grew up studying dinosaurs and maps. And... Um, let the dinosaur comments to, uh, stay to the side. But in terms of, the, in terms of maps, uh, when I was in Michigan, I was given a map by one of my Bible teachers. And so this is special to me. I wanted to give you something that was special to me. And I want, I want, to, I want you to have this as a memento, not that you need a geography lesson, but if you do, let it be so. It actually is helpful when you study the life of Jesus. You're like, where was that thing? It has wonderful topography that, you know, when the mountains go up, you can actually rub those mountains. But the reason I want to give that to you is because I believe that you are like the spies of old in Numbers 13. The, one that, the ones that brought the faith-filled report, not the ones that brought the report of unbelief. So I believe that that's true of you, that you, when you hear a word from the Lord, that what you say in your heart is, yeah, that may be impossible, but if God has spoken that, then he is able to supply the strength and the grace to do it. And what I know about you is that you are not, you do not reflect our culture's individualism, but you're a collectivist. 
And so, so that word, you know, is you're not gonna make it about yourself because you're also not a man that walks in selfish ambition. You're gonna make it a we thing. You're gonna get behind it as God speaks words to other people. That doesn't mean that you have all the answers of, of how to get them there, but I know about you that you're going to get to come along beside them and resource them in every way that you can. Uh, you say, well, how do you know these things? Let me tell you a couple of reasons. Joe and I actually shared, we didn't share a cubicle. Our cubicles were next to one another. Is this true? Say yes. About a decade ago, my cubicle was here. Joe's cubicle was here. So we were able to uh, interact with one another in that uh, staff role. But one, one other story, I'll make it brief, that I want to share is about a decade ago, Christy and I went to a gathering. We were at a time in our life, we have five children, that we were tired all the time. And we were just needing a little space in our life, you know, to be able to connect and hear whatever we were there. That was a church conference. And we didn't know how that was going to happen. And then we were told that there are these people, I called them angels, that gave up their vacation time and they came on their own dime to look after people's kids, our kids and the other kids this week. Now, I was full of unbelief. I said, no one would in their right mind would actually do something like that because it sounds to me, it sounded as a parent a bit torturous. And so we were, we were outside and we were milling about and I remember that was one of my, I don't know if it was my first, but it was one of my early meetings uh, to interact with Joe. And Joe was one of these angelic creatures uh, that was uh, g- g- going around the grounds. And I just remember investigating and being like, why would you do this? Like, why? And, you know, and he, and he, as a young man, you know, he didn't, I think he was like, you know, I just have a heart to serve. <laughs> And what I remember taking away, I was like that, I would follow that type of a heart. The one that lays down the life, that does it at the, uh, at the, uh, at the cost to self. So that's one reason. I uh, just want to, to uh, get behind uh, Joe in terms of a, just a practical. Um, my father-in-law, Zach and I actually randomly saw one another this last week. And then we bumped into my father-in-law at the event where we were. I didn't know that my father-in-law had actually spent some time with you. So that was new, it was a new data point for me. And so I reached out to him because he invested uh, in a season in Joe's life. And I said, hey, do you have any word of encouragement uh, as a spiritual father figure that you would pass on? A couple sentences that I want to read in front of the, about you in front of the church. He said, we spent time, uh, sorry, I think back to those years that we spent together studying the Bible Uh, dealing with different issues and trying to discern God's plan for you in your life. You always were an eager learner, a hard worker, and you showed great humility. Those life lessons learned back then will serve you well in this new role. I have no doubt that you will do a great job. My encouragement for you is 2 Timothy 2.2. 2 Timothy 2.2, I'm sure uh, if you've been around uh, this fellowship, you've heard, but it's Paul to Timothy saying these things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will uh, be able to teach others also. I should have reviewed it, uh, Zach, before doing this. And so I wanted to actually follow the advice, Joe, of my father-in-law and give you five brief uh, points and then I will hand over the mic. So these are, these are nuggets that I've picked up as a pastor for 15 years and now as a board member of different churches in our movement and trying to be watchful and still learn, okay, how can I be more like Jesus as I'm learning from his people? One is a de- success definition. And by the way, this is not, these are not unique to Joe. I'm giving them to Joe and Amy, but these actually work for all of life. So you could also uh, 
you know, especially for my, my brother-in-laws, uh, take notes just because I wanted to say that to Jason. Okay, uh, <laughs> success definition. In Michigan, we had a culture of note-taking. That's why I'm saying that to him. Success definition. Internal and external pressures will drive a success equation of the quantity act of activity equals fruitfulness. Let me offer an alternative. Success equals faithfulness to assignment. You already do this, don't stop. Number two, culture creation. What you publicly celebrate greatly contributes to the culture that is created. Give attention to what that will be. Number three, goals. God is very faithful to fulfill the goals that he inspires and is infinitely creative in how he does so. Let him drive, you, drive your goal setting and your goal achieving. Number four, address selfish ambition. This would be in your own heart and in those that you lead. For good reason, does scripture exhort us against selfish ambition? Oftentimes we find this rooted in insecurity. Be planful to identify it and ruthlessly address it while bolstering that person's identity in Christ as a new creation. Number five, our way, a way. People are looking for templates by which to model aspects of their lives. Offering our way as a family or as a church, etc., is one way to do this. Finally, be there with them. Jamie Miller and my wife uh, said to, um, to smell like the sheep. One reason that you've been identified for this role is that you already do. Smell like the sheep means that you're involved in the lives of those that you love and serve. We as a board have already recognized this in your life or we would not have given our stamp of approval to say, yeah, full steam ahead. We like uh, Joe and Amy for this role. Um, mourn with those who mourn is what the scripture says and rejoice with those who rejoice. You already do this, keep doing it. We love both of you, we're behind you. you did good. I love this, that un, unplanned, there are a number of prophetic gifts. And I didn't know that Jordan was gonna give that to you until this morning, but when he talked about, you know, just felt like this is important because I feel like Joe and Amy are like those spies that went out into the land of God's promise and they saw with eyes of faith. And I've seen y'all get emotional. Donnie, you've rubbed off on me. That's for you. That's for you. That's for you. Um, I uh, let the reader understand on that joke. Um, y'all, y'all are people that see with the eyes of faith. That's a gift that the Lord has given y'all, the gift of faith to see the good things that God has ahead, to see his promises, to believe for those things and to believe for those things in such a way that you bring other people with you to believe in ways that they probably wouldn't believe on their own. So I just said, man, I just think that's awesome. Um, an awesome gift for you. Uh, a couple of things that, that Christina and I wanted to say, Christina, you want to come up now, um, that we wanted to say, and, and I'm going to share these on behalf of our overseer team, our elder team. And we have a, a gift for you as well. You bring that, that up. There we go. Let me help you. Perfect. Um, a number of, of years ago, 
I was really seeking the Lord uh, of God. What, what, where are you calling us to lead the church? What are you calling us to focus into? And the Lord put on our hearts uh, Isaiah 61. I just want to invite everybody to open this up. Um, Isaiah 61. And this is one, if you've been around here, that we have uh, declared and prayed and pursued uh, over the years together. And I love this passage of Scripture. Um, And it says, starting in verse 1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and resonate the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And I love this passage of scripture. It's what Jesus quotes when he begins his public ministry uh, and he gets himself in trouble because he says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. When we read this passage of scripture and it's talking about the spirit of the Lord is upon me, it's not talking about you or me here in this room. Amen. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the one in the context of Isaiah 61, whom the Lord anointed to be all these things. Joe, Amy, no human is ever going to be um, good news for the poor. Someone that has the power to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom of cows. Like, like on our own, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not gonna be that. But this isn't talking about humans. This is talking about Jesus that Jesus is the anointed one. That's why we proclaim every week, like this is who Jesus is and this is who he's come to be in our lives. And as you guys step into this role, uh, y'all don't need to be Jesus. He's very good at being Jesus. And there's a lot of pressure that can come from a leadership role of feeling like you need to be all things to all people and know how to do everything. And I wholeheartedly agree with what Jordan said. In Christ, you're enough. But that in Christ is the big part, right? Our, our part to play like is, is very, very um, minimal. I was, I was with uh, River uh, yesterday, my five-year-old. We were turning some rugs. And he said, Dad, I wanna, push, I wanna push the cart to take the rugs in to Walmart to return them. I'm like, great, we'll see if you can do it. So I'm trying to help guide him and he's pushing. And then I noticed in a minute, he's like walking around in front of the cart the car's still moving the same level. I'm still putting the same level of effort. I didn't realize he wasn't pushing anymore. And then I realized how little like his contribution was, although he felt like it was a lot that he was pushing the cart in there. And sometimes I think that with the Lord, I think our contribution is, is a part, but I think it's the Lord and we play a part. And as y'all step into this role, y'all don't need to be Jesus. Church, Joe and Amy aren't Jesus. And it's important for us to have uh, those expectations of one another is that we're all humans doing the best we can to follow an amazing Jesus. And what Christine and I have seen in y'all's life is that y'all have uh, seen the Lord be these things to y'all in a very real way. That you have experienced God being good news for y'all in your poverty, 
You have experienced God healing up places of being brokenhearted. You've experienced Jesus proclaiming freedom in y'all's lives. You've experienced him giving you release from darkness and proclaiming his favor over you. You have experienced those things. And we as a church, we have experienced those things. Are we a work in progress? For sure. Do we have lots of issues? For sure. And yet we're not being honest with ourselves if we're not acknowledging, Jesus, you have been good to us and you have done a work in our lives and we have seen that work in y'all's life. And through his work in your life, then it says out of that place, it, it shifts gears a little bit. and says, those who have received that, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And that's been our vision as a church is that we would encounter Jesus in such a way that we would be a church family in such a way that we would follow him in such a way that we would grow like oaks of righteousness planted for the display of the Lord's splendor. And we have seen y'all over the years grow in your faith, grow in your character, grow in your ability, grow in your marriage, in your parenting, in your leadership. We've seen out of what God has done in your life, there are things and places where you have been like these little oak trees that are growing up and displaying his splendor. Again, as all humans, we are not perfect, imperfectly, and yet that grace and that beauty is there. And I just wanna say, church, as your pastor leaving, I've also seen so many of you grow in the same way. So many of you encounter the Lord in the same way, and that calling to be oaks of righteousness, that's something that God has for you, that he would work so much in you and through you that our lives would display his splendor. Um, and so we got a, a gift. On, well, I didn't think that part through, I'll be honest. Uh, so <laughs> you, you guys know me, uh, my, my missed a few details. But we got a, a gift for you on behalf of the uh, elders, the overseer team of the church that we wanted to give to you as just a sign of, hey, this is who we see you, like Jordan said, by the Spirit as, and this is what we believe the calling on this church family is. So maybe we'll uh, anticlimactically, okay, come on up, come on up. It's good to, good to do. So we have a gift. Unfortunately, I included Joe accidentally on the group text that talked about this gift already. So again, my, my fault, guys, my fault. Let's move the little table away. Yes, okay, so uh, op- open that. Gift up. You can show everybody. It is beautiful. My wife picked it out. That's good. Yes. So that is uh, an oak to prophetically speak over y'all of being oaks of righteousness and to speak over this church family as being not just one oak of righteousness, but an oak grove. Um, And so we want to give that gift to you. We have a couple other things that we're going to do, and then we're going to pray for you so y'all can step down now. Um, You're welcome. Okay. And then, um, gosh, I could say so many things right now, but I will be brief. Um, Sparrow, can you bring me that brown bag? And then as a uh, surprise on this gift theme, uh, we had some members of the congregation uh, make a gift for you. 
of, out of something God put on their hearts that they wanted you guys to have as you step into leadership. So again, I'm sorry, I didn't think all the details through. Can y'all come back up? <laughs> I thought the heart stuff through, but not the, not the details. Okay, so this, uh, Jim and Adelina created this for you by hand. And I just saw it and was like, this is amazing. And this uh, is on behalf of the congregation. So we have the board, we have the overseers, the leadership of the church, and we have the congregation all wanting to present you with gifts, prophetic things as y'all step into this new role. So you can open that up and show everyone. <clears throat> there you go. So no, it's not a paddle to, to get everybody in line. It is, uh, an, it is an oar. And I just think it's so fitting that as y'all step into leadership, um, you've been talking with us, Joe, about laying down our oars, the places where we seek to control and do things in our own strength and trusting God. And uh, this was created by our congregation. And again, their heart, our heart for y'all is that y'all uh, don't need to be the, the oar and know how to do everything and, and just have it all perfect. But you're leading us in surrender and in trusting God. And as a congregation, the congregation is with you and in support uh, and laying down uh, their oars alongside you this January as we pray and fast together. So that's on behalf of the congregation. There we go. You're welcome. And so now, like in Acts 13, what we want to do is we want to take time to pray over you. So if you guys will step down there. And uh, let's see. We're gonna have Jordan and Christy. If you guys would come up on behalf of the Antioch movement to lay hands on them. If I can get our overseers that are here uh, to come on up. Y'all are gonna lay hands on them on behalf of our church. Matt, uh, who's on our overseer team, wasn't able to be here today because of a brother having twins. So congratulations to them. But he sends his blessing. You guys have heard that. So if y'all wanna come on up, actually come up, Amy. Um, let's see who else. Sam and Alex Johnston. Will you guys come on up on behalf of our teams overseas, the church plants we've sent out, the calling that God's put on us to the nations? Y'all are gonna lay hands on them. And then Pam, if you wanna come up, Pam is Joe's mom, Frank and Linda, if y'all want to come up and lay hands on them on behalf of their family. All right, so you guys get in the middle. Scoot on in the middle. We're gonna lay hands on them. And then church, I wanna invite you to stand just as the, the congregation, as the body, and to extend a hand toward them. And again, what we're believing for right here is not just a formality, but for the Holy Spirit, as he did in the days of old, to set people apart for the things that God has called them to. And it's important for us as a congregation to lean in together on that. So we're gonna pray. I'd love for you to pray whatever you want you'd want to be prayed for you if you were stepping into this role. And we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe for the Lord to come and to do what he does. So uh, if you guys would bow your heads with me and we'll begin to pray. I'll close us here in just a moment.
Jesus, we love you. We love your church, Lord. We, we say that we recognize the leadership of the Holy Spirit in calling Joe and Amy into this new role. And as their uh, leaders, as their spiritual family, as their biological family, Lord, as, as your body here, gathered here in this church, we lay hands on them. God, we're asking that you would fill them afresh with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would give them fresh spiritual gifts for the work that is ahead of them, Lord. In Jesus' name. But I pray that they would feel the love that you have for them, the love that our church family has for them, Lord, as we lean in together here. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst, Lord. And just like Antioch in Acts 13, Lord, we want to be a part. We want to be in, Lord. We want to say yes again, to drop our oars again, and to follow the leadership of the Spirit. Jesus, we say that you are the captain of the ship. You're not only the captain, you're also the wind and the sails, Lord that you are the leader and we're looking to you and we're acknowledging this new chapter that you are leading us into, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, give them a hand. It's awesome. So powerful, so meaningful And uh, we're going to take just a few minutes to greet one another as a church family, to get to know someone that you may not know. And then Joe's going to share a few words with us as the church prepares to begin our time of fasting. So turn to somebody new, greet them, tell them you're glad they're here, showed up on a special Sunday, and then Joe's going to come up.
All right. Wow. Well, good morning, church. Uh, it's good to be with you guys. Um, if you're new with us, if you haven't figured it out, this is not a normal Sunday. Um, this is a special, special day, and Amy and I are just so, so thankful for this church, thankful for the people that are here supporting us. And uh, just at the beginning of uh, 2022, Amy and I like to go on a marriage retreat. She's actually out feeding our five-month-old right now. But we like to go on a marriage retreat and just ask God, hey, what, what is this next year ahead? Um, what's a word we can hold on to? And so our word for last year was faith. Uh, and so I was like, great. I, I can already have a few bullet points in my mind about things to have faith about. This was not on our radar at all. Um, and in the fall, when Zach and Christina came to us and shared about God calling them to their new assignment and to Waco, and I was very sad, but also excited for them and what they were sharing. But then also when they asked us to pray about entering into the discernment process about becoming lead pastors, I was like, I was shocked in that moment. And, uh, it took us some time, maybe not to pray, but as we did, there was just a few things I just want to share with you guys that we felt from the Lord. Um, that in that process of praying, one uh, was just reminded uh, of God's faithfulness to us over the years. And you guys in this room are a big part of that, our community. Uh, We felt a real peace about stepping in and it was kind of looked at it as successive like green lights. So we'll take this step and see if it's a green light and go to the next one. With each one, it just became clear like God's peace was on this. But there is also just to be vulnerable, a lot of questions about Lord, I don't know uh, if I have what it takes, you know, the enough word. And just, but I felt like what the Lord was saying and encouraging us was just from that passage where it says, you know, in your weakness, I am strong. And as you can step in, if you will trust me and be humble uh, in your weak areas, that God will be strong for, for our church. And what I'm more excited about is that believing that our yes to step out in faith to do this will inspire other yeses in this church body, other yeses. And so uh, I am. I just wanna say thank you on the front end. Thank you guys for all the encouragements, for the prayers, for the gifts, um, for the cookies. And uh, actually no one's given us cookies yet, but um, just a little plug, you know. Um, so, but we love this church. And with every year we've been here, we prayed and God, we, we just said, hey, God, everything's on the table for Amy and I. Everything's on the table for our family. And each year he's just like put down deeper roots in this community, in this church. And so I'm just excited for what God has to do, has, has in store for us as we move forward. Um, and so today I want to do two things today. Uh, one is just in praying for this time, I want to take the opportunity to honor some people. So that's one thing, just honor some people in, our, in the room. And two, I want to help preview and prepare us for this 21 days of prayer and fasting that starts tomorrow for our church. Uh, I shared this last week. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Romans 12.10 says, be, devo- be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. Another translation says, outdo one another in showing honor. And in Romans 12, they're talking about marks of a Christian and marks of what it looks like to be like Christ. And one of them is that we would be a family that would look for opportunities to outdo one another in showing honor. So if you have that family, 
game night where you have your competitive, you know, siblings going out or whatever, this is an opportunity for us to almost have a holy competition. Like, man, how can I be first at honoring someone? And so I felt very honored this morning. So I'm operating at a, at a deficit. I have some catching up to do. Um, so I want to honor some people this morning. And in praying about it, last week, I took time to honor the overseers and uh, just so thankful for you guys, uh, for Jayen, for Alex, um, for Matt Reynolds, for Amy Banta. Y'all have done an amazing job. Um, just can't say that enough. And But this morning, I wanted to, in particular, just take some time to encourage our staff. Because the reality is, is that while Amy and I are being installed today as lead pastors, that us stepping into this Every single one of our staff has always ha- has also had to pray about stepping up themselves in some way, whether it's taking a part of what I used to do and, and, and distributing that, or whether it's just kind of saying, Lord, I'm in for this new chapter. And so I just want to go and, and honor some of our staff. Are you guys okay with that? Okay. I hope so, because if not, that's, uh, um, that's awkward. Donnie Tapey, man. Um, Donnie is our family pastor, if you didn't know Donnie, and I've known Donnie for probably going on nine years now, and he's one of my best friends. And what I've seen from Donnie is just faithfulness, uh, really year in, year out, but over this past year, I've seen you endure trials and suffering in a way um, like I haven't seen before. And I just want to say, you have come out on the other side with your heart even more pure and more full of faith and gold than before. And there's more spiritual authority than ever before. And I wouldn't be up here if it wasn't for you. You're one of those people, I would not take this if you were not saying, yes, let's do this together. So I just want to say thank you and well done. Uh, Love you, brother. So thank you, Donnie. Um, Marshall Herndon. Right there, he's our college pastor. So I've also known you and Lacey for about probably eight years. Well, when you first came and moved to Dallas as a newlywed couple, and we were in life group together. And I mean, what I just wanted, there's so many things I can encourage you with, but uh, one of the things I just want to encourage you with this morning is that, uh, man, every single year I've seen you mature more and more. And uh, just thinking about that, uh, you know, the bar could have been, you know, wasn't, wasn't too high at first. No, I was kidding. I don't think there's a better compliment that I could give to someone like each and every year you're maturing and growing in the things that God's called you to, whether it was holding down a job at first, learning how to be married to then jumping on staff and just, you've been so faithful wherever you're at that each and every year you look more and more like Jesus to the point where I'm learning things, I think, from you, like in the area of just passion for Jesus and trusting him and stepping out in faith. Like I'm being spurred on by you because you are continually to mature and to grow up in the head of Christ. So, man, you are such a gift to our church. You also bring fire and fun to our team. Um, so I'm just really thankful for you, man. And I want to honor you today. So thank you, Marshall. Um, and I want, to, I want to encourage and honor Macy McLean, who's our kids ministry director. She is not in this service. She's serving, but just want to say, I want her to listen to this uh, this week. Um, we joke on our staff that if Macy had a YouTube channel called Hey, It's Macy, like she would have like a million followers. She leads such, a, such an interesting life, but she's so full of joy uh, and it's all genuine. And it's also, but when you get to know her, there is, there is real depth. And she's not only a teacher and a disciple maker of our kids, but she's also uh, a pastor of women in our midst. And she has made us so uh, made us 
richer and made our staff better. And so I just want to commend her to you guys. She is incredible. Get to know her more. Thank you, Macy, for all that you've done this past year. Um, and then Danielle Palm, also in the kids. But Danielle, uh, she, I just, this phrase, she is a mother in our midst. And she is a, she, she is a mom, but she's also with the early childhoods, uh, with our babies and our littles, uh, just working together with our serve team members to facilitate a safe environment, but also she is praying over your children and she just has a heart to create a safe environment for them to grow and nurture. And if you know Danielle, uh, that is, when, when she's around, you just feel like there's the peace of God, but there's also this like uh, faith for more. There's faith for God to do more. And so she just brings this, uh, this peace, like a, a nurturing presence. Um, and so I just wanna honor her and say, thank you, Danielle, for being who you are. So we got a few more. Noah and Rachel Thatcher. So Noah, Noah is not here today. Um, but Rachel's here. And so Rachel, uh, they're our worship directors, but they also have been here for several years. We're a part of our life group early on. And I just want to say, you guys bring the peace of the Lord and you're the real deal, whether we see you on Sunday or at different points in the week. Man, y'all have really pursued uh, loving Jesus and loving people so well. And you have created a uh, environment on the worship team uh, where everyone has, is empowered to, to use their gift whether it's you know, one talent or five or somewhere in between, just to say, we wanna use it for the Lord. And it's, it's breathed just grace into the team and also into our church. So I just wanna say thank you and honor you guys. We love you. Um, Josh Manning, our technical director. Uh, man, the phrase that goes, I just was praying for you and thinking about you was, is above and beyond. Uh, you go, you serve above and beyond. And I just reminded of the disciples that, you know, when they were uh, jockeying for position next to Jesus' side of who would be greatest, Jesus said, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. And you have had just a servant heart in the places that are seen and uh, the countless ways that are unseen that make this service possible, that, make, that lead your team. So I just want to honor you, man. Thank you for serving this year in ways that are seen and unseen. You've gone above and beyond. So... Honor you, Josh. Um, Mark Ziegler, are you here? Where are you at, Mark? Mark, oh, there he is. Hey, Mark Ziegler. So Mark Ziegler, man, he's a longtime friend, but he also serves uh, in the International Student Ministry of UTD. And Mark, the thing that I love about you is your consistency. Your consistency to encourage, your consistency to love the gospel and to share the gospel with people, but not in these like, uh, like fleeting ways, in the ways of like befriending people for years, just with the love of Jesus. It has inspired me and encouraged me, and you have been such an encouragement to me and to our body. We love you, man. I just want to honor you. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think this through that Amy's, you know, breastfeeding our five-year-old, but I, I can't go without encouraging my wife. And so she'll have to hear this. Later, I'll lose a little husband points today, but maybe later on in the week. Um, but whenever they pray, they, the overseers asked us, Amy and I, to pray about stepping into this role. Uh, I joked with them. I said, you just want me so you can get Amy. And they didn't laugh. Um, so, uh, and I was like, fair enough, fair enough. Like, uh, that's a wise move. And for Amy and I, um, for the past 
five years or so, we've been able to partner together in ministry. And it's one of those experiences where it's brought us together as even more of one flesh, but wherever Amy is, things get better. If you know her, she brings joy and laughter, um, but she also brings a prophetic gifting of believing um, the Lord to speak into things that are not yet as though they were. And so I'm just excited for her um, to be with me on this journey and to continue to invest in our church. So I just want to honor my wife before you guys. So, um, and, and last but not least, man, I, I just wanted to recognize that we have uh, two, two spiritual parents in the house this morning, in Zach and Christina and Jordan and Christy. And so I want to honor you guys you know, being in ministry, I, I, I have a, a background in finance, did about three years in business, and then came into ministry. And so the unique thing about working for a church is you have uh, your, your job, you have your community, and you have your faith kind of all like bundled into one thing, which can be wonderful, but it also just creates some unique challenges. And one of the things I just didn't know coming in was would you as lead pastors be able to, would you, what, what would that look like? Would you give me my job description and dismiss me for my duties and say, let me know if you need help? Or, and maybe that's what, what, uh, what it's like in some churches. But what you have done for me is that you have not only given me an opportunity, but each of you have invested in me like a little brother. And you have walked alongside me, given me opportunities to try, to fail, to give me encouragement. And Jordan, you modeled that for our church before you went to Ann Arbor and you invested in me in that way. And so I just wanna say thank you for that. Um, but Zach, for the last 10 years, I said this last, last week, but there's not uh, a greater influence, I think, in my life over the last decade than you. So you have uh, just shown grace upon grace and you have been a loving catalyst in my life. And it has not been, hey, just do your duties and then check in. It has been uh, investing and pouring into me. And so I just want to say thank you to Zach and Christina for the way y'all have done that. And there's a scripture in 1 Timothy 5.17 where it says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. And so to honor both of you guys, but especially for Zach and Christina, I just want to ask everyone to stand and clap for Zach and Christina to give them double honor. We love you guys. Well done. Oh. Love y'all. Love y'all. Okay. Well, just for the, the next portion of the time, which is uh, not long, but I just want to remind us again that what we're about to enter into the church, I think it's fitting that with this new chapter that we are entering into a time of prayer and fasting. And if you look biblically at the Old Testament and even knew that during prayers, times of prayer and fasting, there's a time of consecration before God births a new thing. Um, and so I just want to go over again, like, why are we doing this? And if you're new with us, so we do, uh, this, this has been a habit of our church for the last four years. This is our fifth year to start the year with three weeks of prayer, prayer and fasting. So whether this is your first time or your, or your fifth time, I just want to encourage you again, man, jump in. You should have received a little prayer booklet as you walked in this morning. 
Uh, and that is going to be our participation guide. And so if uh, this is your first time visiting with us, we just encourage you to take that booklet and each day there's a scripture to read and we just follow the acronym of PRAY, which is we want to pause before the Lord and just say, God, would you speak to me? We want to read the scripture. We want to A, ask God what he's showing us. And then the why is that we want to yield to him. And, and in particular, every single day of this fast, we're going to pray, Jesus, I surrender. And there's a fill in the blank space to you today and trust in you. And we're believing that whatever is in that fill in the blank space, that the Holy Spirit, who is the best counselor, is going to put his finger on the places in our life that we need, that he's calling us to trust him more, that he's calling us to drop our oars, right? Um, And so so why are we praying and fasting? I just want to go in a little bit to what does Jesus say about praying and fasting? Well, one, Jesus modeled praying and fasting for us. He modeled it. So uh, we see in Matthew 4 um, that, uh, that as he started his ministry, that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and tempted by the devil. And then after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, that he was hungry, which seems to be like the understatement uh, of all time. Uh, that after 40 days and 40 nights, that Jesus was still hungry. And I think part of me would think, oh man, Jesus, like, you can do, uh, you're God, so you can do this. But just remember that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is God given to man, but he's also the high priest, that he is man, represent, he, he is fully man representing the people to God. And so he was just like us, tempted in every way. And so he was hungry. Um, but in this fast, he modeled for us how to trust in the Lord. And I used to think that this was like Jesus showing off, like he's taking on the devil with his arm behind his back. But I've come to learn more and more that actually when we fast, it is a way to enhance our ability to be spiritually aware and and to have even spiritual power to withstand temptation and to see God break through in moments. And so we're believing that as Jesus modeled uh, praying and fasting, that as we go into praying and fasting for 21 days, there will be breakthroughs happening in people's lives. Amen? Let's let's come in with full faith that God, would you do above and beyond what we can ask or imagine as we pray and fast? So Jesus modeled it for us, but he also also taught his disciples. So in Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, as he's going through what it means to follow him, he talks about praying. And you don't pray like the hypocrites, but shut the door and pray to God when you're in secret. So let it not be for show, but let it be under your father in your heart. He talks about giving in the same way. And then he also talks about fasting. In Matthew 6, 16, he says to his disciples, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, but put on oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so what I wanna highlight here is that Jesus says, when you fast. So I, I, it's really hard for, I really like food. I really enjoy eating. And so it's hard for me sometimes to get in the habit of like, okay, fasting is like this break the glass in case of emergency, like, uh, Um, prayer, but what this 21 days of prayer and fasting has done, I just love it, is it kind of already builds into my schedule. Okay, when you fast, well, I'm going to fast with my church during these three weeks. So I just want to join with, I want to invite you to join with us in praying and fasting like Jesus taught. And then Jesus taught again in Matthew 9, 15, 
uh, he was asked uh, by, um, he was asked, why don't your disciples fast like the Pharisees do and like John the Baptist does? Um, and this is what Jesus' was response. Jesus said, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is still with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and then they will fast. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you're at a wedding, it's not time to fast, it's time to feast. And the bridegroom is here. So I can't ask my disciples to fast when I'm here because when we fast, we fast longing for the appearing of Jesus. We fast longing for the day when the wedding feast is gonna come because when the wedding feast comes, when, uh, when Jesus returns, there will be no more fasting. There will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, as it says in Revelation 21. And so when we fast, we don't just do it, okay, it's good to detox my system. Okay, it's good for fill in the blank. We do it. because, like, Lord, would you help me not to get lost in the mundane things of this life and to like help me be looking forward to your appearing, looking forward to the day when I will see you. And I can just say, like, I'm, I'm 37, about to be 38. And it used to be really hard for me as a young man to picture the day when I would see Jesus face to face. I knew in my head it could happen today. I knew that no day was guaranteed me, but I think the more that I live and the more that I walk with Jesus, it just doesn't seem that far off when we will see Jesus face to face. And I just wanna say it's not that far off. It's not that far off, church, and that we have a call as the bride of Christ uh, to prepare ourselves for the bridegroom. And so as we're fasting, we're not only fasting to receive something, we're fasting unto him to prepare our hearts with anticipation and love for him. Amen? Amen. Okay. Well, I have way too many papers for the time that I have. So I, I just bear with me here, but I'm gonna go ahead and fast forward to what is, what is the purpose, what is the theme of our fast? And in, I want to invite you to turn in your prayer booklets to page six. And this verse is a theme of our fast. And actually, Linda, would you mind passing me that, that or? Jim and Adelina, this is awesome. Thank you for giving me this. Um, so if you go to page six, there's a passage in Isaiah 33, verse 20 through 22. And just to tie it in, so beginning... Uh, at the end of 2022, going into the new year, uh, our church, along with other churches in the Antioch movement, take time to seek the Lord. God, what are you saying for the year ahead? And there were over and over again uh, pictures and images of us surrendering our oars as if we were in a boat. And there was in particular this one spiritual dream of uh, a boat stalled out in the middle of an ocean. And the people who were on the boat were exhausted and they had gone as far as they can go. But another boat approached the stalled out boat and in that boat was the Lord. And the Lord called out to that boat asking them this question, will you drop your oars? And in that picture, in that dream, the Lord was inviting people into his boat and taking him to places that the stalled out boat could not go. And so when we, heard, when we hear that, we're like, okay, Lord, this is encouraging. Let's, you know, what are you saying? And this scripture, Isaiah 33, 20 through 22, was shared at a team leader gather, gathering of all the church leaders that our senior founder of 
Antioch movement shared. And as he was sharing it, just leaders in the room just fell pulled forward, like to the floor, just cut to the heart. Like, God, you are doing a, a deeper work of surrender in us. And so this is a scripture that we want to focus on during the fast. It says in verse 20, look at Zion, the city of our appointed feast. Our eyes will see Jerusalem, an undisturbed settlement, a tent which will not be folded up. Its stakes will never be pulled up, nor any of its ropes be torn apart. But there the majestic one, the Lord will be for us, a place of rivers and wide canals on which no boat with oars will go and on which no mighty ship will pass. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. He will save us. So I want to go back through this one more time just to give context. Now, for context of this passage, God is speaking to the Israelites a promise that their home, which is currently destroyed by the Assyrian nation at this time, will one day be restored permanently. Okay, so you'd look at Zion and Jerusalem. It says that, look at Zion, the city of our appointed feast. Our eyes will see Jerusalem, an undisturbed settlement. So when you see Zion and Jerusalem, just like the... uh, the gift that Jordan gave me, the topography of Jerusalem. So when you see Jerusalem, it is on a hill. And on one of those hills that the temple is on is Zion. So if you see in, your, in, in the book of Psalms, there are some Psalms that are called the Psalms of Ascent. And so they would sing these Psalms as they would climb up the hill to Jerusalem. And so they would say, this city, which is currently destroyed, Isaiah is saying it will be restored one day. Look at Zion, look at this city of our feasting, look at the eyes of Jerusalem. It will be an undisturbed settlement. So there will be security there. It will be a tent which will not be folded up. So you think back to the days when God was with the Israelites in the wilderness, in a tent going from place to place. It will be like that, except this tent will be stationary. It will not move. God will dwell with his people and the ropes will not be torn apart. So such a beautiful picture for us of the hope that we have in Christ. So we, in the New Testament, we, we know that Jesus is pointing us forward to Zion and Jerusalem as a place where we will dwell with him forever. Amen? So that's an encouragement for us. But here in verse 21, but there the majestic one, the Lord will be for us, a place of rivers and wide canals on which no boat with oars will go, on which no mighty ship will pass. And the city of Jerusalem does not have any river going through it. Uh, It has wellsprings underneath it, but it's saying that Jerusalem, that this place, this dwelling will be like, will be like a place of rivers and wide canals, except on these rivers, there's going to be no threat of enemies coming in. There's going to be no need for a navy. There's going to be no need for a boat with oars. And, And the Lord will be our judge. The Lord will be our lawgiver. The Lord will be our king. He is the one who save us. And so just from this passage, I just feel like the Lord is saying for us in this season uh, to have him lead us to a place where we would be ones who would say, Lord, we drop our oars. We surrender to trust you more this year. We always want to be people who are surrendered, but God's doing a deeper work in us as a church. And he's going to lead us to places where There are rivers and wide canals where there are boats which no oars will go. Where we can go, if we want to go there with the Lord, that we will need to drop our oars, okay? So just an encouragement. What does that look like? Thank you, Jim and Adelina, for this prop. 
Um, and or if you're in a boat, you can power yourself by going down you know, the river. You can navigate. Actually, in thinking back about my experience in a boat, which is not that much, but uh, the one time I was on White Rock Lake in a canoe was when I proposed to Amy. So I had uh, Christina and her friends have a picnic on the lake and I rented a canoe and I had it all planned out and I got in the canoe, my brother helped me, he pushed me in the canoe far out to where she couldn't see me and it was great. It was all coming together except I forgot how to row a canoe. And so for it was one, about two minutes of sheer panic as I was drifting out into White Rock Lake, paddling like crazy, saying she will never say yes to a man who cannot paddle a canoe. Like this is, go, this is, this is backfiring. But then I remembered, I like calmed down. Okay, I got to like steer in the back and I was able to, to navigate. But uh, what, is, what, is, what does the oar represent? The oar represents things that we can do on our own strength. In fact, I think we have a slide that just highlights some of these things. It represents what we can do on our own strength. It represents our own ability, our own wisdom to navigate where we want to go. Uh, it also represents a sense of control, trying to control the boat, right? Trying to control where we're at. Or it's a place where you can have protection. You know, I feel more comfortable with the oar. Maybe I can whack at something coming up to my boat, like... God's calling us to lay down our oars of doing things on our own strength or our own wisdom, our own plans, our own sense of control or ability to protect. And so what could that look like? I, was just, I just want to honor Donnie even after I shared this last week. Uh, one of the ways that he felt like it could be implemented was dropping the oar of his schedule. Okay? And so there was an opportunity for him to serve someone in need. And as uh, he was thinking about the things he had to do. He was, he was just like, Lord, I don't know how these things are going to get done, but I'm going to drop my oar and help this person. And he was able to help this person. And it was just like, wow, isn't that what we should, we should be doing like all the time? <laughs> but like him just having that surrender allowed him to be used by the Lord to help someone in need this past week. So I just want to honor you that that might be a way that God will call you to surrender your oar. Now, it's also important to emphasize what this does not mean. Um, so it does not mean that as you go home for after work uh, with your roommate or your spouse and they're asking you for help with the dishes or the kids, you used to say, I'm dropping my oar, baby. I'm done. I'm dropping my oar. Jesus, take the wheel. You know, it's just like, it's not an opportunity for us to operate in selfishness or irresponsibility or to operate in passivity of, of obeying God and the things that he knows that we're called to do. But instead, it's called for us to do those things, to work unto the Lord, to pray, to, uh, to love people well, but to do it out of a place of trusting the Lord, to drop our oars. That makes sense? You guys tracking with me? So practically, some examples of what this could look like when you fill in the blank of Jesus, I surrender, fill in the blank. It could look like Jesus, I surrender this situation at work to you. And just, I don't have the wisdom to navigate this uh, problem, or I don't have the wisdom to navigate this relationship, and so I'm surrendering this to you, and I'm asking you to come and take over. I don't just need a little bit of help. I don't just need a little bit of advice. I need you to come and take over. So I surrender this to you and trust this to you. Jesus, it could be that I surrender 
you know, a desire of my, my heart that's good that I just have not been able to bring about and just to say, Jesus, I surrender this to you. Or it could be I surrender my sense of control over this thing. I surrender it to you. Or I surrender my fears or my plans or agenda. Really what we're doing over this fast, over these next three weeks, is we're praying the prayer of Psalm 139, 23 through 24, which says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so as we're doing that, I'm just, I'm just so confident that God's gonna speak. And even for me, just even having a little bit of time to sit with this and say, okay, what are my oars, God? What are the things you're calling me to surrender? I just feel like he's calling me to surrender some anxious thoughts to him because I really wanna do a good job in this new role. I really wanna provide you know, leadership and things. And I feel like the Lord's just saying, I'm with you. Surrender those anxious thoughts to me. So that's how I'm applying. That's my or. So uh, I might pick this up every day and throw it down. I don't know how I'm gonna you know, apply that, but it's just that idea of like, Lord, you're a good father. You're a good leader. You're the captain of the ship and you're gonna lead us forward from here. And so tomorrow uh, we are beginning our fast by doing uh, a media fast in our first week. In the second week, we're doing food. And in the third week, I'm calling it fasting from time. And, try, and, and we as a church are devoting, instead of time we would use for something else, to devote an hour at least to build out a, a, a schedule where we are praying 24-7 as a church to lead us into the new year from here, okay? So number one, week one, media starts tomorrow. And I can just say this, uh, Fasting is really difficult for me, but I have loved doing this as a church, but there are always going to be inconveniences and things that pop up. Uh, for example, last week, I made the joke that before we start the media fast, at least I will get one Cowboy playoff game in. Before the schedule was released, not thinking that one game might be on Monday night. And sure enough, it is. And so my first motion as new lead pastor, is to change 21 days to 20 days of prayer and fasting. No, I'm just kidding. No, it was just such a good reminder of like, there are going to be things that come up during the fasting from food. Inevitably, your boss will probably ask you out to a steak dinner or some sort of event. And grace, 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 as we do this, the, the heart of it is that we would surrender the Lord. But I just want to say, I want to challenge you because I love you, that you will get so much out of this. Like it is a million times better to say yes and to enter in to this fast. This is something that Jesus wants to give you, not take from you. And so we're going to fast next week from non-essential media. The Cowboys need me to pray for them anyway instead of watch them. So I'm going to do that. You be free to engage in this in whatever way you can. Families, the kids right now in the elementary age are talking about how to engage with this fast. In your booklet are different ideas of how to engage your kids with this so we can make it all a church family uh, going for this together. And so I am excited for God to lead us forward in this new fast, in this new year. Amen? Amen. So with that, I want to invite you to stand and our band to come on up. So we're going to respond with a song of worship. Um, and as I was praying just for this service, I felt like 
two of the oars came up that I wanted to encourage y'all uh, with to, that it might be for you to drop. Uh, and, and praying, um, this again got a picture of, uh, of one of those oars for some of you might be an oar of your past failures or your past sins, and it's the oar of shame. It's the oar of thinking I need to try harder before I can come to the Lord and be used by him or whatnot. And I just feel like the Lord is saying in a really loving, gracious way, drop the oar of shame, drop the oar, you are my child, you are my son, take my hand. And so if that's you and you need to receive the oar of forgiveness, we're gonna have our prayer and prophetic team up here. Um, So I'll go ahead and invite y'all, our overseers and staff to come to the front. They would just love to pray with you. And the other oar or other picture that I got was one of healing. Um, It could be physical healing, but this is more healing of the heart. And as you are surrendering things over to the Lord, it might be about finances or it might be about a job, but I feel like the Lord is actually going to put his finger on things that are deeper than those things. And it could be that there are past hurts or disappointments or broken trust that you even have with God that he's saying, I want you to give me that. I want you to go there with me with that. And I believe God's gonna do a deep healing work as we surrender to him. And so if one of those two things uh, hit you and said, you know what, I just wanna respond to that word and I want someone to pray with me, our prayer and prophetic team are up here and would love to pray with you. Um, But if you need prayer for anything, just as a consecration step, as we enter into this new fast, just wanna encourage you even now just to close your eyes and just to ask that question to the Lord. Jesus, I surrender, fill in the blank to you today and trust in you. What is that thing that you want me to entrust to you? What is that place of surrender? What is that oar that you have? Because as we surrender to him, who's the captain of the ship, to the King of Kings, believing that he is going to lead us forward in the way of life, everlasting. So Jesus, I thank you for my friends. God, I thank you for this church. God, would you lead us in dropping our oars to you today of surrender? We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.